Hello, and welcome to the Live Blissed Out podcast, helping demystify decision-making so you can get unstuck and take action. I'm your host, Marissa Houston, bringing you another blissful episode. Hi, action takers. This is episode two of the Live Blissed Out podcast. Thanks for joining me. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Our topic for this episode is home loans, and my guest is Kelly Strott. Kelly has been in the mortgage industry for 21 years and has spent the last 10 and a half years at Universal Lending. She is passionate about working with people to empower them to select the right lending program to finance the most significant purchase in their life. Her goal is to build relationships with her borrowers and to provide a smooth transaction with the least amount of stress possible. For more information, visit her website at kellystrotthomeloans.com. That's K-E-L-L-I-S-T-R-O-T-T, homeloans.com. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to have you as my guest today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me onto your program. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. The articles that I'm reading shows that there are a lot of renters or people that are currently living in their parents' homes, and they're not really pursuing home loans. Have you encountered that? And if so, was there anybody in particular that stood out that you were able to help? I think the biggest misconception that I find with first-time homebuyers, even still today, is that they think they have to have 20% of a down payment in order to get into a home. And there are programs out there where it's as low as 3% down, or even some down payment assistances that can get you in for as little as even $1,000. There's a lot of misconception out there that they think they have to have all of this money, and it truly a misconception. And do you think that holds them back from even getting started? Absolutely. I've encountered several people that have said that they were ready because they didn't have enough money. So that would be my one big thing that sticks out for me that why people don't jump in as early as they probably should. I hear some people say, I don't really need a mortgage. I mean, why do I need to pay for a home when I can just rent and move around? Are mortgages for everybody? And do you feel that they're still beneficial because owning a home is an American dream that we have. And so is that still the case? And talk to me a little bit about what benefits there are to having your own home. Well, I will agree with you, or I'll say right out of the gate, mortgages are not for everyone. So rent in Denver right now is extremely high. I'm looking at the average rent is anywhere between 1500 on up with the average being at about 1671. And how awesome would it be to have your own place where you can paint the walls whatever color you want? And not only that, but people are gaining equity at a pretty rapid rate right now. I had a client that purchased a home, this was several years ago, for like 60000 and sold it for ninety. You're just not going to get a rate of return on your money on any other place but the housing. And you do get the benefit of the tax write-off. You're going to get to write off the interest that you pay on your mortgage on your tax return. There's absolutely a benefit to it. It's not for everyone because perhaps there are people that move around a lot and it's more inconvenient if they know they're only going to be in a particular area for a very short period of time. It might not work for those types of people, correct? Correct. 
you don't want to get multiple mortgages. They're very expensive so that you want to do it right the first time. We get bombarded with a lot of advertisements. And I know myself, I hear people making lots of promises when it comes to lending. And I think the thing that they focus on the most is always getting a certain rate that they would qualify for. And so how do our listeners really know how to choose the right lender for them? I think that initially you're going to work very closely with this person and you're going to share a lot of sensitive information. So I think initially my first recommendation is to find someone that you just connect with. I think another thing is you need to figure out what is your biggest pain point. Are you looking for the absolute lowest rate? Or are you looking for someone that's going to hold your hand and guide you? Are you looking for someone that's going to meet the date? A lot of times those who offer the lowest rate don't have the capacity to make sure that they meet the dates or to hold your hand. So if that is your end game is to get the very lowest rate, then you're probably going to be looking at a bank or an online lender, but you're not going to get the service most likely that you would with someone. And you may just pay a little bit higher in interest rate, but the comfort that you get knowing that your transaction is going to be handled and closed is worth its weight in gold. So in other words, you're saying understand your end goal, what your priorities are so that you can make the best choice for yourself. Correct. And the best choice is not the same for everyone. And so I would assume that working with a lender is a partnership. What are some things that a new person who is looking to get a home loan needs to provide to you upfront in order for you to do your best for them? You would need to provide income verification. So if you are a salaried or hourly employee, then you're looking at providing one or two years of W-2 and the pay stubs covering at least a 30-day period. If you are a self-employed person, it gets a little bit more detail-oriented. We need at least one year of full tax returns, and most of the time we need two. And then we average the income over two years. So income verification is one of the most crucial parts, because if you don't get that number right, then everything else is off. What other things, like do you recommend that they have like a checklist or a file or something that they put together that they have ready for you so once they gather all this, they can just give it to you and you can get going? That would be a dream if we could have something like that. Yes. I mean, you're going to need to verify your income with the documents that I had said. You also need to verify your down payment. So a lot of times we're looking for two to three months of bank statements. And when they say if your bank statement says page one of four pages, you need all four pages, even if they're blank. And it's very silly, but the lending process is very persnickety and we have very weird rules and guidelines we have to follow that may not make sense to anyone. We just have to follow them. And the page one of four or the page one of eight or whatever, we need to see all the pages. So that sometimes is a little confusing. So following exact instructions is helpful following exact instructions. And then when we do ask for something, the best way to do it is to get it to us immediately. If we can stay ahead of the game, then if we encounter any type of issues, we can settle them quickly and you don't have the stress of the timeline of the closing looming at you. So in my practice, I always suggest that we stay way far ahead of the curve so that we don't encounter those things. 
So I am coming from a place of not knowing much about what you do. So the word I hear a lot is pre-qualify so that you know what type of home you can obtain. So talk to me a little bit about what that means. So when you're pre-qualified, sometimes it involves credit, sometimes it doesn't. Pre-qualification doesn't mean a whole lot. Basically, it would be, for instance, if you told me I make $50,000 a year, I have $20,000 to put down, and I have $500 in debt each month, we could run numbers that way and say, yes, based on these numbers, it looks like you should qualify. And then we have a pre-approval, which is where we pull credit. We verify all of those documents, such as as I told you, the W-2s and the pay subs, and then we can run it through what we call automated underwriting. It's where a computer will look at the information that we put and decide whether or not they like the situation based on credit, down payment, debt to income ratio, the collateral. So it will look at all of those things and give us a pre-approval that way. A stronger approval is a conditional approval, which is where the file has been seen by an underwriter, an actual person. They calculated the income for the file and deemed that it is approvable. So essentially there are three levels and that's the best option, but pre-approval is better than pre-qualified. Absolutely. And then at that point, then, does that help the realtor narrow down the homes that they should be looking at? Ideally, yes. We do have times where the borrower can afford whatever they want, but they want to keep their payments. We love those people. They're not stretching themselves. It does help the agents because they have parameters by which they can go by. I always offer if we're really tight on my ratios or there's a specific payment we can't go over, I always recommend let's run those payments before you go to the home. And then the worst thing is for you to find a home that you fall in love with and then to learn you cannot So we're clear now on what to expect before we even go shopping for a home. What are some things we need to prepare for? So now let's move into what can we expect when somebody comes to see you at your office? How does that look? And what are some things, for example, that they should be doing or not be doing during the process to make sure that all the effort that has been put in is working smoothly? I love to meet face-to-face with my borrowers. I don't get the opportunity as much as I like with people's crazy lives, but I almost get pretty insistent when it's a first-time homebuyer because there's so many moving parts and it's so overwhelming. So I like to have someone come into my office. I'm also a big proponent of options. There's different ways to structure different things. Does it make sense to use all your money for the down payment or do you keep some back for emergencies? Do you use some of your down payment to pay down debt so that you can qualify better? There's usually a lot of different options that you can provide. So I love to sit face-to-face and there it usually creates really great dialogue and they can ask questions and it's just a safe environment where they can feel a little more at ease because this is the biggest purchase you'll ever make in your life. As far as what to avoid, I think the biggest thing that we always stress is don't mess with your credit. Please do not go buy a new car. Please do not get that new credit card to get 0% financing for your refrigerator and dishwasher or whatnot. Keep your credit just as it is, status quo. We're not telling you not to spend money, but just don't change anything drastically. 
And I've had people that think that they can be sneaky and they'll get those appliances ahead of time and we find out and then it just creates more paperwork. And in some cases, it can turn a file from an approved to a decline. So it's extremely important to keep your credit status quo. And why is that, Kelly? Is there a specific reason? Is it because everything was based on a number and now the number's been changed? Correct. Anytime you open credit, then there could be debt out there that we don't know about that could affect your approvability. So anytime you open a new account, that can affect your approvability. Would you mind sharing something that our listeners can apply right away if they really want to get a home loan and they've been putting it off because they've been so concerned about the difficulty that it might take to go through the process. Is there something they can quickly do right away now that'll help move them closer to that goal? The best little nugget that I can provide has to do with credit. And unless you're going to apply for a home loan or a car loan, you probably don't think about these things. But it's very important to get your credit as good as you possibly can to get the best term. And when you have revolving credit, such as credit cards, you would like to get your balance at 30% of the capacity. So for instance, if your limit is $1,000, you want your balance to be under $300. Anytime you're over that 30% capacity, it dings your credit. And the closer you are to the limit of your credit card, the harder it dings it. So again, it's not something you think about in your everyday life, but when you're going to apply for a mortgage, you want to have all of your revolving debt at 30% or less of the limit. See, I had no idea. And I think that's really useful to know. And does it matter how many credit cards you have or should you limit that as well? Oh, that's another good question. You don't ever want to close a credit card prior to getting a mortgage as well, because that can actually hurt your credit by taking away the positive history that you would have had prior to. So I always recommend if you're going to close a credit card, close it after the transaction is done. As far as if you have a lot of credit cards, but you don't have any debt on it, that's a little bit of a misconception as well. It used to be that that showed that you had the capacity to do it. That's not so any anymore. As long as there's no balances on it, it doesn't harm you. Okay, that's nice to know as well. What are some resources perhaps that people can look for that you like that they might want to look into that will give them better insights into some habits they can start to apply now to help them get prepared so that when they decide to actually get a loan, it just goes a lot easier and makes more sense for them? I think the major things are to make sure that your credit is as good as it possibly can be. One thing I didn't mention too is that you probably should not be changing jobs. If that happens, sometimes that can throw a wrench in it. Sometimes it doesn't, but the more stable that you can keep everything, the better. And when you're going through the process with your clients, is there a, a time where you contact them and say, okay, everything has gone through, you can now go buy that refrigerator? I mean, what point do you know its coast is clear? I don't recommend anyone do that until they actually close the deal. Because anything can come up where things can be delayed. And not to mention, when you sign those documents, you're verifying that you haven't opened any new credit. So I always recommend that you wait until the deal has closed and then go ahead and take advantage of those 0% if that's what you'd like to do. 
So that's your clue right there. After the closing, then the coast is clear. You've been doing this for a long time, Kelly, and I know that you're super passionate about helping people and that you love to walk through every option and walk your clients through the entire process so that they're clear on what works for them and that what you're doing is a best fit for them. What is something that you notice that they seem to always do or perhaps have a perception of that they shouldn't, that it's just completely not right and they still somehow seem to have that concept in their minds? I think probably it's the opening of credit cards. They think that it's not going to affect it. There are times that you absolutely have to do something. I had a gentleman call one time and he blew a tire. Well, we can't get along in town without it or tires. So he said, I've got to borrow from my line of credit to do it. We ran the numbers and he was fine. So I think the biggest thing is that you're always communicating with your loan officer and asking those questions. You know, that's a really good point. I'm so glad you shared that example because there are times when it seems like a luxury, but it's really a necessity and you need it. Then what do you do? So the bottom line is make sure that they partner with you. And that's why I guess we're going back to how important it is to have a relationship with your lender, because then you can have that dialogue and say, Hey, here's the situation I'm in. Can you help me? And then you guide them through a path that will still be successful and allow them to reach their objective. Absolutely. You know, I had a person call, they wanted to go buy new furniture. And I said, well, are you going to pay cash? Or are you going to get credit? And they said, we're going to do credit. And I said, you need to wait till after closing. Um, and then I had another gal that called and said she needed to buy a snowblower before winter comes. And I asked her, are you going to pay cash? Or are you going to charge it? And she said, I'm going to pay cash. And I said, that is fine. Have at it. So I really like the fact that they dialogue with me and ask those questions because the wrong move can make a big difference. And the difference is just even more time. It may be as big as not being able to push through, but it could also be just stretching out a process that could have been a lot simpler and adding more work. And more paperwork. And we try and keep paperwork as much to a minimum as we can. We already ask for a lot of paperwork. So the less I have to ask for, the better we all are. We cannot be expected to be experts in everything. And that's why I'm so excited to have people like you come to my show and be able to share with the listeners what you know and what are some things that you'd like to help us avoid so that we don't go through the same challenges that some people have already gone through. So prevent us from falling into the same trap. What is something that you see people fall into time and time again, that knowing what you know now, being a professional in your field, that you would want to help the listeners not do? I think one of the things that makes a loan go the smoothest is honestly just having everything. As soon as we ask for something, we get it right away. It's those that delay and procrastinate that it seems like the loan gets a little more bumpy. So if you want a smooth transaction, obviously we're going to ask you for everything we can think about up front, but there's going to be times that we have to ask for documentation and there are going to be times when the borrower is going to feel like, oh my goodness, why do they need this and why are they asking this? We try the best we can to explain it, but sometimes the answer is we don't know, but we have to provide it. And those who provide requested documentation quickly, they get their loan approved faster and there's a least amount of stress. And those that procrastinate seem to have more issues. So I think my suggestion is to just be expedient and quick on getting us anything that has been asked. So even just straight responsiveness to your request, very helpful. Correct. And what is a timeline that typically takes for people? Does it vary a lot or is there a general rule of thumb in terms of when you can expect to get your loan approved? 
typically in a purchase transaction, we get someone pre-approved and then once they go under contract on the home that they want to purchase, typically you're looking at a 30-day turnaround. I like to have my loans approved at least a week prior to closing. That's my ideal. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes we're waiting until the very last minute because we're waiting on a document. Ideally, it's about 30 days once you go under contract, but sometimes we'll close them as quick as two weeks. Every situation is different. It all varies, but that's the general timeline that most people have. Yes. I find when you push that timeline into more unreasonable two to three week timelines, nobody ends up happy in the end. It's just, it's a lot of stress in a much shorter time. And I heard on the radio once that buying a home is the most stressful thing you can do. It's more stressful than divorce. It's more stressful than a death. And I think that's something that we as loan officers have to keep in mind is that we're messing with people's nests. And I'm a very big homebody, so it would really disturb me and mess with my nest if I had to move. I think we need to be cognizant of that when we're dealing with our clients. Most of the time in these situations, they're not just dealing with the process of qualifying for a loan. But they're also thinking about moving and that in itself is a very stressful situation for people because that is its own can of worms that they have to open up deciding to downsize or move their stuff or get rid of things or uproot to a new place. And so they're trying to balance a million things. In some cases, obviously, they're still working. They're still trying to go through their daily routine. So there's a lot going on and it can really take its toll on people, I think. Absolutely. Which again, why it's so important to stay ahead of the timeline so that you can alleviate as much stress as possible. If I'm listening, for example, out there and I'm saying to myself, I've always wanted to buy a home and I want to get a home loan. What are some signs or things that I should ask myself to see if it is a right fit for me? I think one of my biggest questions when I interview a client and where I like to draw from is what's your comfortable monthly payment? You don't want to push that. I did that when I bought my first home and it was miserable. So I always encourage my clients, tell me what your comfortable payment is and let's start there and not deviate. I can tell you if you could get approved for higher than your comfort level and then it's your choice if you want to push that. But I always recommend that people try and stay in their comfort level as far as payment. So that would be your first question. And then do you have a down payment? If not, are you a first time home buyer? Are you capable of getting down payment assistance? And then do your expectations and your comfort levels, do those match? I often find that sometimes someone will have a comfortable monthly payment and then want much more house and, and they don't match. And so it's always our job to bring those numbers together as well. And I also think perhaps that if you're moving to a new city for the first time and you're not really sure what the situation's going to be long term, you might want to scope out the area and just kind of see what areas you like, whether or not you're even going to stay there long enough and then put all those into play. Does it matter how long they've been employed in a particular job or could it be, you know, let's say you get a job and you've been there for a month, would that be enough to qualify? If they have a history behind it, so as long as they have a two-year work history prior and they haven't had a large job gap, typically job gaps are 90 days or more, 
then it should not be an issue. That is one of the things that you discuss with your loan officer is here's my work history. Do we meet the qualifications? So enlightening. And I'm really hoping that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this conversation because it gives them a clear picture of what to expect before they apply for the loan, whether or not it's a good fit for them and how it looks like during the process. Is there any piece of advice you would give them in terms of what to do next? Should they be doing more home improvements? Should they pay off the loan sooner? I always encourage people to make extra payments if they can. You shouldn't pay more interest than you have to on anything. That's always my advice when I'm sitting at a closing table is if any little extra money you can throw at that principal, I recommend you do it. On a 30-year loan, if you make an extra payment a year, that reduces your term by seven years. So it's a huge difference. That is huge. Especially when you're paying extra in the beginning of the loan. So that's always a recommendation of mine. I always suggest that people, if they're increasing their house payment, make sure they're comfortable. I wouldn't jump in and do any home improvements unless they're flush with cash and, and can afford to do so. Kelly, this has been so valuable. I am grateful for your knowledge and the time that you have taken to be my guest and share your insights with our listeners. Thank you for being here, Kelly. Thank you. It's been great talking to you. That's all for this episode of Live List Out. Thanks for listening. And thank you to Kelly Strott for joining me today and for sharing tips on home loans. Join us again next week for another informative and motivational show. Please visit liveblistout.com for access to all our podcasts and resources and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you find value in our show, please leave an honest review either on the website or on Apple Podcast. Plus, if you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash LBO podcast. It's a great place to engage. So long for now and remember to keep moving forward.